So in order for my sermon um, to make sense this morning, I need us to go back and look at the second reading in the bulletin, the second reading, which is a reading from Paul's letter to the Philippians. And the the Bible scholars among you see that we're reading from chapter 2, verses 1 to 13, but actually what's printed, I think it's from maybe in chapter 1 or in chapter 3. Clearly, I'm not one of the great Bible scholars, but I do want to let you know what Philippians 2, 1 to 13 is about, um, just so you're not totally lost in what I'm about to say. So Philippians 2 is uh, Paul exhorts uh, the Christians in Philippi. Um, He exhorts them to a life of um, humility, putting the interests of others uh, before uh, themselves, he, he asks them, he exhorts them to put on the mind of Christ. And then he shares this great hymn about what the mind or spirit of Christ is about. And I'm just going to read this for us. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, Being born in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father." There's a poem that's been on my mind the last few weeks. One of my favorite poems, it's one you may know of. Um, It's a poem by Wendell Berry, and it goes like this. Geese appear high over us, pass, and the sky closes. Abandon, as in love or sleep, holds them to their way, clear in the ancient faith. What we need is here. And we pray not for new earth or heaven, but to be quiet in heart and in eye, clear, for what we need is here. I remember a talk offered by a therapist in my first year orientation um, at, at seminary, and I think the talk was something called how do I know if therapy is for me? She was talking to a room full of first-year students, and I I must say, I don't really remember what the therapist said, because I was too busy sizing up the rest of the room, thinking about these, my future classmates, and doing my own diagnostics of sorts. Scanning the room, everyone was so fit and sharp-looking, Everyone's Nalgene had all the really cool stickers on it. And I thought to myself, no way any of you need therapy. Again, I don't really remember much of the talk, the content of the talk, but I do remember a response to a question I asked afterwards, trying to appear like I was really engaged and also psychologically subtle. I said, 
I struggle, Miss, I believe her name was Miss White, I struggle, Miss White, distinguishing between what I need and what I want. I often feel like I need recognition, but when I get it, it's not as satisfying as I want it to be. I prattled on for a few more sentences, and the therapist shot back her reply, one that I'll never forget. Oh, if you cannot distinguish your needs and your wants, let me suggest therapy is for you. Ugh. Told before my peers that I needed therapy was not a good feeling. So the epistle for today, the epistle from Philippians chapter 2, is known as the Great Christ Hymn. And it speaks um, on, to how Jesus transforms the way we experience need. Philippians 2 is one of my absolute favorite passages in Scripture. It's Paul's poem on the Incarnation. Scholars think that verses 5 through 11 were a hymn, like a song, likely one of the first songs that Christians sang together. Definitely some of the first scripture folks knew by heart. So Paul's talking to the church in Philippi. He's giving them rather prosaic operating instructions on how to be a community, recommending kindness and encouragement and humility as the touchstones. He says that we are to put on the mind of Christ, and it's Almost like at the mention of the name, his spirit launches into, an, into a hymn, an ode to the incarnation and to Christ's great humility. One of my favorite phrases about this COVID season is one I heard from writer Zadie Smith, who said that what we are experiencing at the moment is a great global humbling we are realizing that we are not God. We are walking the way of Christ and discovering that equality with God is not something to be grasped. We are realizing that we're fragile and low and we're being made painfully aware of our needs. And this global humbling has allowed us a chance to spend some time as a society reflecting on what we want and what we need. After all, we've been asking questions like, what is essential to us? Who is essential to us? I remember back in mid-May hollering out to Katie that I was going to the store to pick up a half-gallon carton of almond milk, and somehow it came up that this was the only thing I needed to get from the store. We had a brief conversation about if I really needed the almond milk or if I could wait until the grocery list had at least one or two other things on it. What I realized was that I didn't really need the milk. I could make my smoothie just fine with skim milk. But what I needed was just to get out. I was needing to feel a sense of connectedness and interaction. The almond milk was for me like a half-gallon passport that might carry me back to the old country of normal. Well, I decided to go for a walk instead. Turns out that was what I needed. So let me ask you, what is it that you're discovering you need in this moment? 
Oftentimes, our needs are shifty and amorphous. We think, we think we need X person to step up and do more of X. Say we need our spouse to be less scattered or less busy or more emotionally present or less dead set on risking public safety for a carton of almond milk. It's worth taking some time to sit with these needs and just to give attention to them, to try and listen to them. I think one of the hardest sentences in the English language at least for me, is to say to another person, I need fill in the blank. We have a developed vocabulary around our wants, our likes and our dislikes. COVID has invited us to the elementary and elemental vocabulary of need. Why is that sentence so hard to say? Is it because we spend nine-tenths of our time giving attention to another's needs that we don't consider our own as real, as worthy? Is it because we don't really know what we need? Is it because we're fearful that another person might see us in our need and choose not to acknowledge it? Is it because, and this is the one I really identify with, is it because we don't want to be perceived as selfish and needy? That's hard to say. But Philippians chapter 2 wants us to see that it's okay to have needs. Actually, at the core of our lives is a need for God. God alone is self-sufficient. We as humans must receive blessing from his hand. And it is in this simple recognition of need that God shows up. There's a reason that the gospel spends so much time at the bookends of Jesus' life focusing in on his birth and his death. It's a good question why they don't spend as much time dealing with Jesus' life and his hobbies and the idiosyncrasies of his domestic life. But it's also a theological point the Gospels are making. It's the same theological point Paul makes over and over again, especially in Philippians chapter 2. It's like the New Testament really wants us to see that this God-made flesh person really was someone who shared our needs. He needed his mother to hold him when he was born, and he needed his heavenly Abba to hear him as he was dying. Whatever else, the reason for the gospel zeroing in on the bookends of Jesus' life, it's plain enough. If you want to meet God, it's really very simple. Go to the place of need, in society or soul. I disagree with the therapist who assumed the difference between our wants and our needs was self-evident. I think it takes discernment and patience and real growth to distinguish the two. To discover what it is your soul needs, what is essential to you, what is essential within you, actually that does take time and prayer and attention. And lots of times thinking that what you need is almond milk when in fact it's something else. Wendell Berry's great poem ends with the simple but poignant reminder that what we need is right here. And to grow into the present moment, to really be here, we must learn to articulate what we need. If not with another, then at least with ourselves. And to grow in prayer, for me, is nothing more than learning to do this before God. To grow in holiness is to grow in letting others do this before us. 
What we need is here. One last story. So last week, I went into Sky Salon for a haircut. And I I hadn't seen um, the lady who cuts my hair in close to six months. But it was so nice to catch up with Sarah Paul. It's been a rough go for her, so I learned. She was furloughed back in March, and really ever every month since, she's been worried about making ends meet, about paying rent, and also worried about her husband's work. But she was grateful to be back herself. She's been at it since, actually since mid-June, and she said something that was really interesting to me. She was talking about how she was surprised, so she told me that hairstylists were a part of phase one, reopening. She didn't expect that at all. And then this is what she said in response to that. She said, I had no idea I was this essential. I had no idea I was this essential. I almost pulled my pulpit straight out in the, in the salon there and burst out, Sister, long before the economy ever said that, God has said that you are his beloved. You are not essential because of your work, but because of God. I didn't say that. Plus, I know that Sarah Paul's a Buddhist, and I didn't think that'd go over too well. I did leave her a pretty solid tip, and I thanked her for being essential. If what we need in this moment is to feel vital and happy and sunny and right all the time, this year is bound to continue to be a humbling one. If what we need is to know that at our core we are seen and loved and known and that our value isn't tied to our productivity or education or our work, there's good news. God always gives us each other. God always gives us God's self. God meets us in the place of need. And what we need is right here. Amen.